The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your nets on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back in the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. The Gospel of our Lord. Good morning, One Fellowship family and friends. Paul Sorensen here, and I am the senior pastor of this community of faith. Before we dive into God's word, would you bow your heads with me as I share one more brief word of prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, I pray, come Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name, amen. Well, the title of my message today is The Rawest Moments. And I'd like to begin by asking you this question. 
Have you ever become so overwhelmed in life that you just wanted to hit the eject button? This past week, I came across an amazing story titled, A 64-Year-Old Man Accidentally Ejected Himself from a Fighter Jet at 2,500 Feet. The story reads, a surprise company outing to an airbase caused a 64-year-old French man so much stress that he flung himself from a fighter jet in midair. Grabbing the ejector button in a panic and tumbling through the skies above France before landing in a field. The man had been surprised by employees at his firm who had organized a joyride in a Dassault Rafale B-Jet for him as a treat. Now here's a picture of one of those jets. But they apparently didn't know their colleague as well as they thought. Once the man arrived at the saint Air airbase in northeastern France and realized what his co-workers had arranged, he began to feel extremely stressed according to a fairly remarkable aviation accident report by a French government agency. The unnamed man had never expressed any desire to fly in a fighter jet and had no previous military aviation experience. And thanks to a watch he was wearing, which could measure his heart rate, investigators noticed that his heart was in full tachycardia before the flight with a recorded heart rate ranging from 136 to 142 beats per minute. But the man went through with the ride, joining a three-plane training exercise as a passenger. The Rafale B is used by the French Air Force and has a maximum speed of nearly 1,400 kilometers per hour. So kids, adults, how fast is that in miles per hour? What? How fast? Yes, 870 miles per hour. When the jet was 2,500 feet above the ground and the pilot began to climb, the passenger panicked and reached for something to hold on to. Unfortunately, that something was the ejector seat button. And the 64-year-old flew out of the fighter jet. To make matters worse, he had not securely attached his helmet. Now, friends, just a point here. Whenever you're going up into a fighter jet, make sure to securely attach your helmet. Okay. Anyway, the helmet, just like the man, went flying in midair. Fortunately, the man avoided serious injury after parachuting to earth near the German border. I love this line. The unnamed man had never expressed any desire to fly in a fighter jet and had no previous military aviation experience. You see, just like this man, I don't think any of us expressed a desire to take part in a global pandemic. Nor do I think any of us have any experience of living through something quite like this. 
And if we're honest, if given the option, I think many of us would push an eject button even mid-sermon to get out of this situation right now. What are we to make of moments like this? Moments that are raw. Moments that are uncertain. Moments that are unclear. I believe our passage has much to say to address these questions, which leads me to our big idea from John 21 this morning. The rawest moments create the most refining moments to restore all of our lives to Jesus. The rawest moments create the most refining moments to restore all of our lives to Jesus. Point one, in the raw moments, Jesus sees us. Kids, can we do this? Jesus sees us. This coronavirus has been challenging, yet not all of us are handling it in the same sort of way. When it hit, some of us tried to control the moment. That would be me, and that would be many of you. We made a plan, we prepared that plan, and then we executed that plan. We took action. For me, just to out myself, yes, Early on, I went to the store and no, I did not stockpile uh, toilet paper, but I did stockpile a childhood staple, Chef Boyardee mini raviolis. I thought to myself, we can live on this stuff forever. I was so proud of myself that I actually left the store, called my brother and I said, Chris, you will not uh, imagine my good fortune. I just bought a whole bunch of Chef Boyardee, mini raviolis. And he said, you too? I just got back from the Super Walmart. All the food aisles were empty except that one shelf, and it was full of Chef Boyardee, mini raviolis. I bought all of them. You see, we bought Chef Boyardee mini raviolis. Some of you bought dozens and dozens and dozens of toilet paper. You've confessed this to me. I think you might have an extraordinary problem. Anyway, others, you've confessed you bought over 50 pounds of flour. Why? Because you thought there might be a bread shortage. Another one of my family members confessed that they ordered so much wood that they could live for months if the electrical grid went down and they needed to get energy or heat from wood. They got three cords of wood delivered. You see, some of us try to control difficult moments. Others try to avoid difficult moments. You know, while others are on a shopping spree or spending spree, some of us stay home and we live in denial like nothing bad's actually happening. While I won't say her name, someone in my house took this approach and her name rhymes with barley. It's no big deal. This can't be real. Everyone is overreacting. Another one of our friends who didn't uh, run to the store and buy toilet paper right away, he confessed about a week or two in, he said, we're down to our last roll and we're counting every square. 
Thankfully, someone in their mercy got him some toilet paper. Some of us, you know, we try to control this moment. Others, we try to uh, avoid these harsh moments. And yet, I think all of us try to escape these kind of moments. If you're like us, you've turned to Netflix, Disney Plus, Amazon Prime, board games, badminton, basketball, puzzles, floating in disposable pools with a depth of 18 inches. You see, I think almost all of us are doing mind-numbing activities just to get through each day, aren't we? I have never walked so much in my life, especially late at night. It's exhausting to be this exhausted. Can you relate? Here's the thing. It's okay to admit that this moment is hard. For some of it's, excuse me, for some of us, it's been really, really hard. There's an uncertainty and a difficulty about this moment that no amount of control or avoidance or even escape can lift or change. Following the resurrection of Jesus and elsewhere in the Bible, we see the people of God coming to grips with a similar reality. The irony, of course, with the early disciples is they had just witnessed an empty tomb just a week ago, showing they no longer needed to fear death. Yet as we read today in John chapter 21, they were still confused and showed that they actually feared life. Just a week earlier, they'd celebrated with a resurrected, a risen Jesus, and they'd received this charge from him directly. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. But instead of following through on this charge, they did something very different. In John 21, we find that they are up at the Sea of Galilee, some 80 miles away from Jerusalem. And they're turning back to what they've always done, which is fishing. And yet, as we see, sometimes even our best strategies produce no results. Sometimes no amount of hustle can change the hardship in our lives. And it's in these raw spots, time and time again in the Bible and in history, where God shows up, revealing that he's been watching over us all along. Our passage reads, Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way, Simon Peter... Thomas, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. And they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved 
said to Peter, it's the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him and he jumped into the water. Nicole Zazowski in her outstanding new book, From Lost to Found, writes, Jesus said that those who mourn are blessed. Those words challenged my assumptions about what it means to be blessed. I viewed blessing as the absence of suffering. I saw myself as more special when I was the hero of the story, when my own efforts saved me from the pit of grief. I saw myself as safer when I was numb to the sting of loss. But Jesus spoke a different truth. Those who mourn will be comforted, we read in Matthew 5, telling us the good news that grief in all of its messiness and ugliness can be an avenue of God's grace in our lives. Instead of being someone who's blessed with a comfortable life, I was beginning to see that a blessed person is someone who has been awakened to her hunger for Christ and is now ready to be filled by him alone. Friends, if you are someone who is struggling today, I want to share that Jesus sees you and cares for you. If you've lost a job, lost a business, lost your health, or even lost a loved one, you're not alone. In the words of King David in Psalm 139, you have searched me, Lord. You know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out, my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Friends, in the raw moments, Jesus sees us. Which leads me to point two. In the raw moments, Jesus loves us. Can we put our hands in our hearts right now? Around 2008, I was told the story of a wealthy businessman who, like many people following the crash of the stock market that year, was facing the unthinkable, losing everything. His job, his businesses, his two homes, and his boat. All of his assets. All of them. All that he had worked so hard to acquire over the last 20 years. Tearfully and with great disgrace. When he could no longer hold this information from his wife and his family, he went home, sat down with them, and told them, we're going to lose everything. Everything. And after a long period of silence, his eight-year-old son turned to him and said, Dad, does this mean you'll be spending more time with me? The harsh beauty of raw moments is that they tend to reveal our misplaced priorities in life. Such was the case with Peter. You see, early in Peter's days with Jesus, he longed to be heard and respected, even above all others, 
all of the disciples. And he wanted to make a life, if you will, with Jesus. For instance, in Matthew 26, he says to Jesus, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. To which Jesus replied, truly I tell you, this very night, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. The good news for Peter and us is that our failures are not final when we turn to Jesus and allow him to lead the way. Our passage reads, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. In this raw moment in life, we all have the opportunity to stop and take inventory of what matters most in life and make the main thing the main thing. The love of God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength in the extension of that love to the very ends of the earth. Our greatest good is not found in our possessions, our plans, or our power. Our greatest good is found in Christ alone. And just as Jesus saw and loved Peter, he sees and loves you right now. In restoring us, he asked, Steve, Kim, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Michael, Natalie, do you love me? Take care of my lambs. Ryan, Amanda, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Kay, Rich, Pam, Aaron, one fellowship. Do you trust me? Follow me. The rawest moments create the most refining moments to restore all of our lives to Jesus. As we conclude this time, I invite you to do two things. First, trust that Jesus sees you even when you don't see him. And second, trust that Jesus loves you and wants to reset, restore your life to fully follow 
him. In the words of Jesus, as translated by Eugene Peterson in the message, you are blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there's more of God in his rule. You are blessed when you feel you've lost what's most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. You are blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more and no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that cannot be bought. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would search us and know us. That you would see us and love us in this moment. Father, some of us feel so alone. Would we know that you see us and you care for us wherever we are right now? And God, some of us were worn out and wiped out, kind of done. Would you help us to stop and take inventory of what matters most? Would you reset us and restore us to trust you and share you with our world in need all the days of our lives? If you're in agreement with this prayer, say, yes, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.